Hey everybody, Melissa McKenzie of The Spectacle here with Scott McKay, also of The Spectacle and of Reviver yeah. and the Hayride and various sundry and sundry other things. Today we are going to do a different kind of podcast. Last week we were talking about big spiritual issues. This week we are going to do a rapid fire political uh, discussion because so many things are going on at the same time. And um, in confusion, I have found, just like Satan, politicians make very bad decisions, be cloaked behind all of the chaos. So politicians, I've found, really enjoy chaos because it's when they do their dirtiest work. And so we've got a lot of things that are that qualify. I don't even know what's first. Let's just start with something kind of stupid, which is... Uh, Joe Biden in Ireland, like, what's he doing and why is he there, <laughs> there and what's happening and why is it going so long, do you think? Uh, well, I mean, obviously he brought Hunter Biden with him. So um, whatever else was happening in Ireland, somebody was there to get bribed because that's the purpose of bringing Hunter Biden on these trips. It turns out that Hunter Biden might be the best handler for Joe Biden. Um, it's either that or the staffer that dresses up as the Easter Bunny. I can't quite say. Um, but Hunter apparently has a little bit more panache to him than the Easter Bunny does when it comes to shepherding uh, Joe away from reporters. Um, that having been said, I don't know if Hunter is all that good as a dog uh, wrangler because as we saw um you know they're taking joe biden around i don't remember it was like the the president's uh uh palace in ireland or whatever the hell it was this giant dog is basically losing its mind looking at joe biden and it's like well you know dogs are excellent judges of character and the irish president has stepped between joe biden and the dog um, so, you know, no thanks to Hunter. He didn't do any good there. But obviously, uh, you know, Ireland has zero national security value for the United States. There's no economic benefit in, you know, us. You know, it's not like a trade mission to Ireland. This is the fact that Joe Biden is, you know, of Irish ancestry and decided it would be a good idea for um, you know, for to celebrate what is it, 25 years of the of the uh, the Northern Ireland uh, uh, treaty? I can't remember what they called the thing, the Good Friday Agreement. Mm. This is like a momentous enough occasion that Joe Biden's going to go to Ireland to to uh, to do this, and then he proceeds to talk about this rugby player who uh, I guess gave him a what did he give him a jersey or something, and Biden goes, you know, talking about oh yeah. And this guy beat the hell out of the black and tans. Okay. So he, what he was trying to do is he's trying to talk to uh, talk about the all blacks, which is the rugby team in New Zealand, which is like, you know, supposedly the best in the world. The black and tans was an English regiment that basically suppressed the Irish. And so when Joe Biden gets his, you know, metaphors mixed up or whatever, he proceeds to insult the British when, you know, he had like nothing to do with him. And now the British have basically like, it's like, wait a minute. So between Obama and this guy, let's count up all the slights of the UK that, have, that he's been guilty of all this time. 
And, you know, now, you know, the British are ready to go to war with us over Joe Biden and his idiotic statements that he didn't even know what he's talking about. And I have been saying for a couple of years now that it's time for Team Biden to just muzzle this guy, stick him in the White House and do not let him talk. He's already not doing press conferences with the with the White House press corps, the American media. He will only do softball uh, interviews with, you know, reporters who don't ask him questions of any you know significance or note. So, like, you're not really losing anything by keeping him away from the media or the public eye so that he can make stupid gaffes and, you know, further erode confidence in the United States, um, which is exactly what happened when he went to Ireland last week. Well, what you're asking for is for Joe Biden to have a what he had a basement um, in a basement candidacy now you want a basement president it's better than what we have okay like what the best of all would be let's get rid of joe biden altogether but then again that gives you kamala harris who i notice can only make complete sentences when she's talking about issues of race in an inflammatory manner like they say, oh she gave the best speech of her life when she went down to tennessee and that may actually be correct the problem was it was one of the most racially inflammatory things ever. And between right. that and her, you know, paying bail for uh, the the George Floyd rioters and, uh, you know, and going on like Stephen Colbert and saying, oh, these riots aren't going to stop and they shouldn't stop. And all this. like that's the most lucid Kamala Harris has been. So, you know, either you get the uh, the old white guy who. Uh, can't say anything right at all, or you get the, you know, relatively young, uh, relatively black woman who, uh, <laughs> you know, like, all she can do is, like, spout, um, you know, Louis, Louis Farrakhan rhetoric. I mean, it's... Yes, you know, but she's right in line with her base. I mean, I know. to go into the next topic, and frankly, I haven't even really, every time Kamala Harris speaks, it's so cringe, I can't even. So like, I do everything in my power to like avoid hearing, her, seeing anything. So I pretty it's much expunged There's no doubt about that. from my like Twitter feed and stuff, anything having to do with Kamala Harris, because I can't handle it. Meanwhile, in, I guess it was Los Angeles, around Los Angeles, there was this teen riot. They had one in Philadelphia, this teen riot where like hundreds of kids go out into the streets and create mayhem. In the LA case, they they broke hundreds of kids broke down the door to a like a little like a excuse me, local version of a 7-Eleven or something and and stole everything from the inside of the store. Cleaned out and, of the gas station uh, supermarket. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then something happened in Philadelphia. And then now in this, then Chicago, they're having to like bring riot police in. And it, it's, there's so many kids. It's just complete mayhem. Right. Yeah. And, um, and in Chicago, they had to, like, there were visitor, you know, tourists who were caught and police were like escorting tourists back to their hotels escorting tourists back you know uh right. the way chicago is on the south side there's like a literal bridge that they can 
um, pull up so that, you know, to <laughs> escape from Chicago. Yeah, right. I, I, it's just it's I so horrible. You, I don't know if you saw like the, 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 um, the bad Amazon Prime show, uh, you know, it's like they're sealing off Carnival Row, right? Oh. Uh, which South Chicago is definitely Carnival Row at this point. Um, you know, and of course the mayor then proceeds, oh, what they did was terrible. But let's not condemn these these young kids. And it's like, okay. Meanwhile, the you know the, the the footage is rolling, and it's you know a bunch of teenagers beating up on tourists in Chicago, and that you know what's left of the CVB over there is just like pulling their hair out, like oh my god, we're never going to fill another hotel room in this city again. And it's just you know here's Brandon Johnson, and this is what a week after Walmart has said, yep. We're, we're pulling out of the south side of Chicago, four stores. We've never made a profit in Chicago with any of the eight stores that we have in the city. <laughs> we'll, we'll hold on to the other four. And it's like, okay, how does Walmart not make money? Like, in, in a, like open up a store to buy. Like, how does Walmart not make a profit? And they're like, well, we're not making a profit. It's like, well, you know, there's other retailers. Like, no. They're really, I mean, Chicago's not like a, a super retail rich area anymore. It used to be, but not so much. Um, like, so that's not the answer. It's not that there's no population. There's plenty. It's not that there's no money. There's plenty of money in Chicago. So why isn't Walmart making any money? And it's like, well, you know, to, 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 uh, to quote George Costanza, shrinkage, right? Yeah. They well, steal everything out of the store. I mean, like Al Capone is looking up from hell going, damn, I'm, you know, like I, I might have created the mold, but these guys are breaking it. You know, like, I mean, when you rob the place blind, sooner or later, the, the corporate suits are going to say, OK, that's it. But you'll notice that they waited to make that announcement until after Brandon Johnson got elected mayor. Right? right. Because had Paul Vallis got elected mayor, they might, they were, you know, I think they were looking give it at it. Well, give it a shot and see if right. maybe things get better. Losing money on eight. So there's no, there's no region of America that Walmart is losing money on all eight stores where they've got locations. Right. Okay. They probably got, I mean, around Philadelphia, I'm betting it's close. Um, and probably in, you know, LA and San Francisco, they're, I'm sure they're not all that fired up about what's going on over there either. But like well, to go I mean, speaking, of, speaking of San Francisco, like Whole Foods announced it was leaving. Yeah. And Walgreens one of the things that's kind of yeah. going underreported right now that's looming is with throughout COVID with people working from home, a lot of these corporations had lease agreements um, that they're like just eking out till they're they're over. And so like there's a ton yeah. of empty office space. Twitter is just one really high profile, well-known example. You you get rid of 80% of the employees. Right. You have 10 floors or the whole building, but you're only using two floors. When that lease is up, it's over. And, yeah. and the thing is, is that's the case for a lot of companies. You know, very few companies, especially in the cities like the liberal cities where they were shut down for so long, you know, here in Texas, things got 
I don't know how retail space is, but I think it's pretty good. There's still releases going and, and renewing and that sort of thing. But that's because right. everybody went back to work a whole lot sooner. Right. But but in these liberal cities where the towns themselves are completely unsafe, you're going to, there's going to be, and that's going to be an impending real estate problem. And so like the Chicago, San Francisco, Philadelphia. So they, you know, this whole Black Lives Matter business, all the riots that were allowed in the name of creating chaos so Trump couldn't get elected. Uh And with the assurance that if Trump doesn't get elected, they'll get lots of money uh, from a Biden administration, which has happened. But that, that money is running out. And one of the things I wrote about two years ago, maybe three now, was that Chicago or Detroit played this game. Detroit is still not recovered. Once you purposefully destroy a city, people don't just come back. And especially now in the internet economy where people don't have to work in the big city and they can live cheaper somewhere else and safer and they don't have to, you know, step over drug addicts. It's, you know, and where crime is just absolutely rampant and, and, and everybody has gotten increasingly crazy after COVID between the drug abuse, suicide, everything else. It's the complete uh, in government imposed mental illness that uh, was created. You know, we're economically, that's not going to be good for these places no, you know, right. another year or two. That's right. Well, you know, and I, you, you don't want to get me started on weaponized governmental failure because it's a real thing and we're seeing it. But um, well, and one of the things that I had said probably a couple of years ago when all of this COVID stuff was going on and you started having more of a virtual economy and people, you know, didn't want to commute to the big city where, you know, the place is run by idiots and all the rest of it. Um, is, you know, what happens when uh, those commercial office buildings clear out of tenants? Um, and, you know, the, I mean, the landlord's got to pay property tax and now he doesn't have um, rent coming in to service that, more or less the, you know, the, the mortgage on the building and he turns it in, right? And so, and, you know, what happens when these, uh, these you know, these, big commercial office buildings downtown and all that kind of, I mean, you're talking about major, major money that contributes to the local tax base, particularly when it comes to funding the schools. So what's going to happen? You got schools that are spending Baltimore, for example, spends almost $20,000 per student per year on some of the worst public schools in America. I mean, what's left of downtown Baltimore after COVID? Right. Like, I mean, other than like maybe some government stuff or whatever, you're really not looking at a whole lot of commercial office space that's that's filled in downtown Baltimore. So where are they going to get the money? And of course, they're going to go to Uncle Sam trying to make up the difference to fund local, you know, local schools or they'll go to the state. And in places where, you know, um, the state legislature is Republican or you don't have unified Democrat government in charge of that state, you know, you're just not going to get the money. And so ultimately, you know, you're going to have a, a probably a slow rolling collapse of 
traditional government school systems. Um, so much so that I like I'm noticing in a couple of places they're actually, you know, like bringing in learning pods as part of the public school system. Right. Um, which is, you know, I, I think a way that they're going to try to save money and it may actually result in better um, uh, delivery of education. I, you know, anything involving a local public school system, I'm going to be distrustful of, but maybe it breaks the mold and you don't have these kids, you know, going to these prisons every day. Um, although, you know, I mean, in so many of these schools, I mean, the only reason the school is really there is to feed these kids lunch. Yeah. So I don't know. But I mean, I, you know, I like you're seeing some societal changes brought on by intentionally bad governance in these urban areas. And right. like, I don't think there's a model for how any of this stuff is going to go. I mean, I think it could just completely collapse. Well, I mean, that does seem to be the goal. And it's not just us. Like I was yesterday or the day before Germany shut down their last nuclear power plant and now have moved 100% to coal. Yeah. And so like, there is a mind disease on the left worldwide that um, where distorted thinking ends up with, dis with distorted policies that harm the very people they're meant to serve. And then like the Netherlands trying to stop farmers yeah. And, and, uh, you know, like they're number two, did you know this to the United States in agricultural output? And so, yeah, by, like, uh, by value. Yeah. Yeah. And so like here now I put this out on Twitter. I had, uh, Mike Cernovich gave me crap about it, basically saying, we don't know that all of the attacks on, uh, these commercial family farms are, you know, intentional or, you know, like last week we had what, 18,000 dairy cattle just get burned alive. And um, we've had all of these uh, food plants get torched. This is totally normal, happens every year is what I was told. And I was like, really? Um, this seems to be dramatic and I don't and and sustainable so there's a couple of thoughts one is these various uh groups are that we're seeing a lot of fraud you know people setting stuff on fire to make insurance money is my first thought okay because which economic, does happen it does happen so the economics are bad so oopsie you know burn everything the second thing is is that um, it's internal sabotage. We've got some greenies or some eco-terrorists or something that nobody's interested in capturing and they're doing these kind of things because they don't like commercial farms or whatever the deal is. Or third, it's sabotage from outside the country and the government doesn't want to talk about it because they're acts of war. Right. Um, none of these choices are good. And, and I understand that with the internet and us, you know, suddenly the whole of the United States is like a community and everybody knows a little bit about everything. You know what I mean? Like in a way I wouldn't necessarily, you know, before the internet, would we know that a food processing plant in Iowa got burned up? Not necessarily. You know what I mean? Right. Um, 
it would be a local thing. But now with the internet, you know, we, we're seeing. So I don't know if there's that phenomenon there that we're just seeing more of it. And, you know, Cerno's right that this is this is just something that always happens. But it just seems strange to me. You know, I guess, well, and I had, there was a story from last summer that I saw last night that 18,000 cows just dropped over dead in Kansas. Um, and nobody really talked about it. I saw a video of the dead cows and they were like, yeah, they got, they all got heat stroke. And I was like, what? You know, my family's been in farming for animals don't just get heat, heat stroke. Somebody has to you know, not give them water, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's an active thing. It's not like, it's like a gun shooting itself. You know, it's just a weird. Well, I mean, I look, there has always been a certain element of, you know, um, risk and disaster associated with agricultural stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, tor like tornadoes do damage to crops and livestock on a you know regular basis and in, in in numbers that people would be amazed at um and these you know these food processing plants um you know they use an enormous amount of energy there's a ton of machinery uh you know it's generally pretty hot in a lot of these places and you know they are sort of fire hazard type environments in a lot of cases um, I mean, you know, grain silos blow up all the time in spectacular fashion. So you have some of this is always going to happen. You know, I, I mean, the way you gauge this is, is it more than before? Well, let's look at the prices. Well, you know, OK, look, I mean, go see the price of eggs. Go see the price of meat. Go see the price of chicken. Go see the price of all these things. And almost across the board, they're up. And like dramatically so, and more so than uh, the rate of inflation, right? Which should tell you, okay, well, there's something going on in those markets which, um, you know, is not normal. Now, I think in like the case of eggs, you have a bunch of states, uh, Colorado being a really good example, um, that you know, like starting to to overregulate egg production. Um, you know, well, you can't. You know, you can't have these, they have basically have to be free range chicken that you're doing the eggs from, and you know, stupid regulations, which essentially shut down uh, egg production in, um, in these, you know, chicken farms. So, you know, government action will absolutely drive those prices, but then, you know, you have some of these disasters on the supply side, which will obviously do the same thing, you know, and okay, so who benefits? Well, you know, like, I don't know. Does this benefit China? You know, we generally export this stuff know. to China. So I don't I wouldn't think that it does. It might benefit the Russians and certainly they would have motive. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the Enviro people are a really good. If you're looking for somebody to, to maybe hold under suspicion for a lot of this you know, these, I mean, I don't, I don't know of any vegan food processing plants that have exploded in the last couple of years. There may, there may have been some, you know, what I know is all, you know, kind of the meat and potatoes uh, type of food processing plants that the PETA people and everybody else hates. So I don't know. I mean, hey, it's Scott, you know, you mentioned a regulation, you know, the regulatory environment and the regulations. 
I read a f the funniest article. This woman was complaining on Twitter about how um, her children used to be able to eat like Cheerios, a couple other things, and no longer can. And they all are allergic to sesame. Well, a law got changed, a regulation got changed that any equipment used with sesame seeds had to be cleaned in a particular way and separately from blah, 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 the rest of the stuff and made it just impossible for people. So if you have this big baking facility and over here you have a vat of the sesame stuff and over here you have the vat of the sesame free stuff, now there's particular rules about it and you have to clean them both and do all this, you know, insane things. Well, now, so you know what they, you know what the producers did? They just included sesame and even a small, tiny amount into everything they bake so they don't have to follow anything. And now there's nothing that is sesame free. And yeah. so the mother was like, I had these allergic children. We were so excited that this law got passed to, you know, they advocated for this law for, um, you know, regulations for sesame. And now you can't find any food because, because the new rule says this. And so yeah, welcome to your unintended consequences, right? Exactly. And this is, this is, I was like, this is leftism writ large. Every single good idea these people have had they have ended up in with consequences that they just always seem to surprise them because they are nowhere near in touch with reality. Right. And, and so, you know, and this is happening everywhere. All right. We had a list before we started. What have we not hit yet? Um, well, we did, we did oh, the budget. Chicago riots. We did Biden. We should probably talk a little bit about the budget before we forget. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a, a piece over the weekend at the Washington Post, um, and it was all about how disorganized the Republicans are and how they'll never agree on a budget that they can bring in. And I mean, no sooner does this piece drop and Kevin McCarthy uh, tweets out, hey, I got 218 votes for a debt ceiling increase and a whole bunch of spending cuts. And, you know, it really strikes me. It's like so it's been 75 days since Joe Biden uh, took Kevin McCarthy's call to talk about the budget and the debt, mm -hmm. the debt ceiling. The Biden administration sent up a budget that was absolutely laughable. Like, like right. hey, the Biden budget, it cuts the debt by $3 trillion over the next 10 years. It's like, it increases the debt by $18 trillion, right? Like, right. so this is your budget. It's not serious. It's a joke. He says, you got to give me a clean debt ceiling increase. It's like, well, if you wanted that, then you should have kept the house, right? Like mm -hmm. you didn't keep the house, so you don't get that. So, you know, deal in reality. And nobody from the Washington Post even bothers to mention, hey, it's been 75 days and we're hurtling toward this crisis. And nobody in the White House is even remotely serious about hammering out some kind of a deal with these Republicans that, oh, well, we don't like them much, but they did get elected, right? Nope. Not even, not even the faintest thought about that. It's, hey, the Republicans haven't solved all the world's problems yet, so they're really disorganized. And it's like, okay. I mean, like, we all know the media is biased, but, like, there's not even a pretense here. 
at an objectivity with the Washington Post. Like not even well, a, not even with, famous. With Biden though, does uh, Biden knows that the media will protect whatever he does? So does he really have a motive to come to the table? I mean, no. really, who gets elected? I don't think seems to matter. Um, as long as they're Democrat and whatever, if the Republicans get elected, nobody can, it's like it didn't happen. We'll just pretend it didn't happen. Media is happy to pretend it didn't happen. And Biden knows that he will not be accountable for anything. This guy is a pedophile who right. has- Showered with his 12-year-old daughter, creeps on right. everybody else's kids. It, he's- On it, camera. It, Right. I mean, he, he's utterly corrupt around the world. We know this. Right. His whole family is in on the grift and who knows how they've sold out American security in exchange for all the money that the Biden crime syndicate has made and nothing will come of it. Right. Meanwhile, Trump is dealing with lawsuits that are just, you know, made up. The, the, do you know that uh, the head of Fusion GPS is funding this lady who is accusing Trump of rape? Yep. And yep. and so what like, they do. And then and then you know Jim Jordan going at, I, at first I was like you know this uh, DA brag in New York and Jim Jordan doing this investigation I was like I don't know if that's really you know necessary like um, but. Then out it comes. He's got three attorneys working from a um, Democrat-funded, Chuck Schumer-related law firm in New York, all right. on purpose. And they and they don't want to come, you know, come out with all their emails and everything, of course, because that will reveal what they're doing. But I'm just like, the corruption right now is at such incredible absurd levels and total banana republic territory up there right i mean it's just absolutely bananas and we have but the thing is on the right we have funders donors and different people who are willing to let this happen to trump thinking that they'll be immune if they ever get you know in power again and it's not going to happen so like um Dave Catron has a piece. So as far as the budget thing is, you know, that's going to blow up and the media is going to blame uh, Republicans. And that's the end of that story. But going to, uh, um, now, now I lost a, my train of thought. David Catron's piece. Oh, David Catron's piece, <laughs> which God bless him. If you guys don't uh, know, I'm, I'm sure if you're regular watchers and you read the uh, American spectator, you know who David Catron is. He is, one of our best writers, and he has a uh, his pieces regularly get put up on Real Clear Politics and whatnot. He's a good guy, but he wrote a piece about Trump and DeSantis um, running together on the same ticket. Well, I don't know about you, but in all my years online and in politics and dealing with these frankly scummy people <laughs> who are who make up the Republican Party and their base. I have never seen such venom between two camps, the Trump camp and the DeSantis camp, and be so generally aligned on 
ideologically, tonally, and everything else. It's right. just bizarre. Like there have been times where there's been the obvious big government Republican and the obvious right. populisty person or, you know, true blue libertarian conservative or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case here. And I almost feel like the absolute shameless nastiness that we're seeing from both camps is is because they are so similar yeah well they don't they don't have ideas to argue about right right like this is right. a pure sort of personality thing um right. you know for example trump is is now beating up ron DeSantis over uh his continuing fight with disney right and it's like well okay i mean you know and it's like I don't get it. And then, you know, they're, um, Don Jr. is now telling people, well, you know, Anheuser-Busch has given a lot of money to Republicans. Right. It's not that bad a company, blah, blah, blah. And this happened like what, like a day after DeSantis does this interview. And he's like, no, you absolutely ought to boycott Bud Light. This, you know, this kind of crap. So it's like, they're now getting to the left of Ron DeSantis, right? Um, and 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 kind of trashing the narrative that had been established, which is that Ron DeSantis is sort of a slave to the donor class, right? Right. And it's like uh, you can't really say that anymore because you guys are now taking up for Disney and Anheuser Busch, right? Right. And he's on the other side of that, and you know, and of right. course, he signs this six-week abortion ban bill in Florida. And what's the guy's name? Ken Griffin or whatever the guy's name is, has now, oh, well, we're pulling out because DeSantis is uh, is back in this bill. And we don't know if we can support him now. And we're going to keep our money held back. It's like, OK, well, he's I mean, not to say DeSantis is coming on strong or anything, because I haven't really seen any polls showing movement in his direction. But the one thing you can say is. Like Ron DeSantis is not beholden to the donors, which was the argument they were making before. And it's like every day there's a new argument. And at the end of the day, it's it's these guys just don't like each other. Right. And so this is sort of descending into one of these dumb personality conflicts, which was always the, you know, the concern here. And it's kind of like, you know, it's 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 chimpanzee politics right we're gonna find out who the alpha in the in the in the troop is <laughs> and for somebody like like i don't it's gonna be trump though it. here's my thing it probably is but i mean but yeah. what do you, like do you emerge from that you know worth a damn because honestly you know nobody wins this kind of fight no this no is no it's to gonna bottom. win you know now you can't get any further to the bottom than Joe Biden. So maybe there's room to pull this off. But wouldn't it be neat if we had a campaign that people actually were like, you know what? I actually think this guy is going to be good if he gets elected. Right. When right. was the last time we actually had that? We didn't even have that with Trump in 16. All that was was a rejection of eight oh. years of Obama and prospectively right. four years of Hillary Clinton. Like, I can't remember the last time somebody got elected that, you know, where it wasn't a rejection of somebody and it was an honest thing. I mean, the left will tell you that was Obama in 08. It wasn't. That was the country 
willing to give Obama a chance because they didn't like John McCain and they were yep. absolutely sick of Bush Republicanism. Right. And they sold it as Barack Obama was this, you know, kind of Reagan-esque figure on the left, but he was never that. That was always a lie. Yeah. And so like, I, I maybe have to go back to Reagan before I can come up with somebody that I actually, yeah. you know, could say, okay, this guy, you know, um, goes in because people are really inspired by what he has to say. Mm-hmm. And it would be nice if we could get that in 20, get that in 2020. But right now, I don't think it's even remotely possible to get that. I mean, not, I don't not know that, you know, with, with the, the election that we lost in Wisconsin, where now we have a Democrat Supreme, you know, Wisconsin Supreme court with all the lack of changes in places like Georgia and Arizona, where the entrenched um, either GOP who hate Trump or the left are there uh, willing to, you know, look the other way um, at voter fraud and the kind of um, calcified uh, voter manipulation that happened during COVID now that has become part of how some states operate, um, including like, um nevada and and other places it's the same six states it's pennsylvania georgia michigan wisconsin nevada and arizona yep those are the six those are the six states that um are close enough to steal and basically have been well they were stolen in 2020 and to an extent they were stolen in 2022 yeah um you know, I mean, Ron Johnson held on his seat in Wisconsin largely Which because is miraculous. Well, it wasn't it wasn't a miracle. I mean, that happened because Mike Lindell funded a bunch of people that mm-hmm. were challenging yeah. dead people and folks who had moved away mm-hmm. and, and getting them knocked off the voter rolls at the local level in all of these different places in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is something that needs to be done in every single state in the country. Well, um, it's something Florida did it. Florida, Absolutely. Florida did it, which is why Florida is it's gonna that and the conservatives moving into the state is gonna be why it's gonna be and, a and, long time before Democrats win there. And the, the Venezuelans becoming citizens. Right. Which is the big untold story in Florida. Mm-hmm. There's nine hundred thousand Venezuelans there mm-hmm. who started coming right around two thousand five when um Hugo Chavez took office mm-hmm. and they said, Oh my god, our country's going communist, we gotta get out of here. Well, right. you know, now these guys are all starting to roll onto the voter rolls because they're, you know, they're getting to becoming citizens and they're registering to vote. And 90 yeah. percent of the Venezuelans are Republicans. So that's yeah. like that's that that's going to get worse and worse and worse for the Democrats. The more Venezuelans become citizens, um, you know, and for the last couple of years, the number one nationality of the people that have come across the southern border illegally mm-hmm. are Venezuelans. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's really terrible all these new people that are coming in it's like, like I'm, I'm well, the biden about this is everybody else's and i don't know why yeah um, well the biden administration though is trying to um not give refugee status to the places where the people vote republican right yeah so Cubans, that, venezuelans nicaraguans bolivians now colombians you know, yeah. I don't know, not you. And it's like, 
Okay. I mean, how naked can this get, right? Like, I mean, really, like how, how ridiculously bad um, can these people be? And the answer is there is no bottom. There's I mean, no bottom. It, it, you know, it, it's, 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 it's all about power. It doesn't matter. I mean, I guess now we should talk about Diane Feinstein, which yeah. should be is done. a perfect example of what we're talking about, right? So yeah. Diane Feinstein is mostly dead. Right. She's 89 years old. Uh, she, God, that's so mean. She's not dead yet. Uh, she's 51.7% dead. Okay. So <laughs> she's Schrod and, She's a Schrodinger politician. She's in the box. We're not sure. You know, it's, it's, she's like the, the parrot in the Monty Python uh, sketch, <laughs> like beautiful plumage. Um, <laughs> so she's 89 years old. She was 84 five years old in 2018 mm -hmm. when she came up for re-election and the state party in california was like no more lady and they wouldn't endorse her they endorsed i think it was kevin dillion who was a state legislator or something and you know she won anyway and so she went back in and she's been you know like mostly dying ever since and she just had to spend six weeks on the shelf with shingles um, and doesn't really know when she's coming back to the Senate. The fact of the matter is she doesn't even know that she's in the Senate or out of the Senate. She doesn't know what planet she's on. She's got dementia that makes Joe Biden look like a Cambridge debate. Does she champion, dementia? Apparently. Um, oh, really? So like, so when you like, you have to use the corporate Diane Feinstein, much like you have to use the corporate Joe Biden. Because, you know, you can't really ascribe any independent thought to the principle of the corporate of either one. So essentially, Dianne Feinstein is a collection of staffers. Right. Who do not want to lose their jobs. Right, right. So Dianne Feinstein ain't going anywhere, thank you very much. Right. The problem is that she's on the Judiciary Committee. And while she's, you know, off shingling in California, um, they don't have the votes to get these incompetent boobs and commie bastards that joe biden wants right. to put on the federal bench like they can't get that train rolling um and they know they're running out of time because they got to defend 24 of the 34 senate seats and they only have one to spare right. uh, half of those 24 they're defending trump won in either 16 or 20 right. you're gonna lose the senate in 24 i mean it'd be almost impossible for them to hold on to that many seats when right. the country's in the shape that it's in, they're going to lose the Senate. So they know they got a window to get these judges in right. and her being off the judiciary committee because she's got, you know, whatever she's got shingles. Right. Right. It's very yeah. inconvenient. Yeah, usher them through, vote them out of committee and usher them through. I mean, that's it, it, we, we've got the Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing is happening. I mean, kind of. Well, look, the rule with a Democrat is they leave office in handcuffs or a pine box. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, we've essentially taken handcuffs off the board, right? Because, like, you know, we've got a two-tiered justice system at this point. And, and where Democrats concerned, you know, like, only Republicans get freaking prosecuted for anything. And well, that's true. get prosecuted for nothing. But um, Feinstein and, like, Pelosi in particular are really terrible. And if if they, this is why I think neither one retires because 
the 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 threat for indictment almost immediately is super great. Well, it was, you know, you go back a little bit, it's exactly the same thing as if you remember Jacques Chirac was like this never ending French premier. And everybody's <laughs> like, when is this guy going to go away? And it's like, well, when somebody gives him immunity. Right. <laughs> because exactly. as soon as he leaves office, he's going to, you know, they're going to bust it. And so Chirac was like, guess I'm running again. Um, well, that's, that's exactly, I mean, that's the, Netanyahu in Israel right now. Yeah, pretty much. So. I mean, you know, I like you never I mean, well, it's look and that, it's the thing. This is the democratic version of the fate of every single dictator of a third world country. Right. Is when you're you know, when you get at a level of that kind of corruption, um, you know, you have to have political power to save yourself. Right. Um, you know, either that or you have to have a real like a private plane in a really good place that you can go into exile. Um, and I like I'm all for building some sort of place for that we can exile Democrat politicians to like <laughs> I, I'm I, like I'm wide open to, to like let's come up with some really they well, can be nice going to exile the nicer the better. well yeah but I don't think that's a good idea for her I think she no, needs to be in the Bahamas so she could go hang out with Sam Bankman Freed in the Bahamas right. um, but anyway you know so so they're in trouble because Schumer wants to replace Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee. You can't do that without 60 votes for it. And it happens that supposedly the Republicans are willing to stand together on this and say, no, I would not have thought that that was possible, yeah. but actually it looks like it is. John Cornyn and Tom Tillis, of all people, who are two are of gonna the sell us out? weasels that you can find, both of them are like, Absolutely not. We are not for this. This is not going to happen. I guess they listen to Mitch McConnell. The only thing Mitch McConnell has ever been any good on was judges. Yeah. Um, and, you know, McConnell from his his own um, convalescence uh, has said, hey, we're going to hold the line on this. And so it looks like, I mean, you need you need um, what? No more than nine uh squirrels among the republican caucus and right. apparently the only one they really have right now is is romney um so you can romney said he'd vote for it well he has i don't think he has said but everybody's assuming yeah. that he's going to vote with the democrats because he usually does but it doesn't matter because the, the you know they they think 51 votes doesn't get the democrats anywhere right. they have to get to 60 um and i you know they can't get feinstein's vote so that doesn't work. Um, I don't know what they can do with John Fetterman. Can he even get on the floor in a hoodie and uh, and sweatshorts? I don't. Do they let you on the floor with a hoodie and sweat? I don't know. He shows up. Know. He looks like he looks like uh, you know uh, uh, the guy that that hangs around the gym late at night. Um, and he's oh, I'm going to the Senate. And apparently no, they, he, they no, he's a, he's the gym rat who smokes. <laughs> who goes outside for a smoke the, the, uh, the thing is is that this is god bless our the, the american founders can i just say that this is for them these kind of this kind of minutiae and the way to limit power is pretty genius and spares i, I mean as bad as things are in america they could be infinitely worse oh absolutely I mean, right. it's these these things are what is actually saving us. 
right um at the moment because yeah. you know i mean but for but for these kinds of checks they would have thrown feinstein off they would have replaced her with you know i'm trying to think of a of a of a terrible democrat senator that's not on the judiciary committee um you know i well i, I don't know well is bernie sanders bernie Maisie sanders Hirono. no she's on judiciary oh is she yes she's oh. on judiciary um she's the worst oh no i actually saw her get interviewed about the feinstein thing and yeah i tell you what she said but I couldn't make it out. I didn't understand what she was saying. It was like, on the one hand is this, and on the other hand is that. I'm like, and I didn't, I hadn't heard either one of these two things. I didn't even know what she's talking about. It's like, well, you you probably are talking to Feinstein too much these days because she's rubbing off on you. I don't know. Um, no, she's, a, she's one of the worst. First uh, off, like, well, what dumb, about, um, dumber than a box of hammers. This wow. Woman. Wow. Okay, they, they would replace her with somebody like Raphael Warnock, okay? Oh. Right? Like, it, they would be like, <laughs> yeah. who's the most dutiful dunce that we can get in the U.S. Senate? Let's, like, throw them on the Judiciary Committee so that they'll vote exactly how we tell them to. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, okay, that one didn't know what Article One of the Constitution was. Doesn't matter. They can look it up in a book. Put them on the bench. And, of course, Lindsey Graham and some of these other Republicans will vote for them. Right. Um, you know, once they get there, so they can get to 51 votes, even if Joe Manchin can't stomach it. Right. Um, so the point is, is you got to stop in judiciary. Right. I think the Republicans may actually hold on to this and force Feinstein out. But here's the fun part. So if they force her out, okay, mm -hmm. um, and she's got to resign. Yeah. Gavin Newsom, the bumbling dipshit that runs california yes. is then in a position to nominate the next senator until there's a special which the election is in 24 i don't know if there would be a, a special election this fall or what it would be but he would nominate somebody so joe biden style newsom has already said ah when i nominate somebody to the u.s senate it's going to be a black woman and i guess this is so because Harris was a woman. yes Oh. He has made this pledge. So Barbara Lee, who is the congresswoman from the mm -hmm. slums of Oakland, yeah. uh, is already in the race. And so is, uh, what's her name, Katie Porter and Adam Schiff. And there's a couple other ones. I mean, like, it's the like it's literally the worst politicians. Yes. The, oh. It's the parade of, it's a Mardi Gras parade of horribles in the California Senate race. Yeah. But Barbara Lee is going to get a leg up because Gavin Newsom has to fulfill his promise. If he breaks that promise, everyone will remember and he will not get the black vote when he runs for president next year. So like the whole thing is on every level imaginable, it is 100% necessary that the Republicans hold the line on this and yeah. do not let Schumer appoint somebody temporarily to the Judiciary Committee. Right. Okay. Because it's like this, you know, it's like the the uh, the, the pyramid of champagne glasses and you pour the bottle of champagne at the top and then just watch it filter all the way to the bottom. Like, this is sort of a, it, it's a champagne shower of wonderful things. If you just... <laughs> force the Democrats to live within the existing status quo, 
um, that, you know, where you have, you're supposed to keep your promises. And, you know, like, because the funniest thing in the world is Adam Schiff then having to decry uh, the uh, collusion and corruption within his own party <laughs> for his own benefit. Oh, it's so terrible that Gavin Newsom has done this deal with Barbara Lee and a U.S. Senate seat shouldn't be shopped around among insiders in a, and everybody's looking at Adam Schiff like, you don't get to say any of that kind of crap. <laughs> like, right. like, you're the biggest liar anywhere. Like, Barbara Lee's 10 times better than you are. The circus will absolutely come to town if this plays out as it should. Um, and, you know, nobody deserves this better than the Democrat Party does. I mean, these people have been so hard at work trying to ruin this country over the last four or five years in particular, and really the last 15 years. But it's been turbocharged ever since 2016, 2017. Um, you know, I, like they deeply deserve it. And let's hope the Republicans are willing to actually fight on this one because it's an easy win if they just show up. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many times when the Republicans should be on firm ground and you think, oh, and they snatch uh defeat out uh, the the out of the, the jaws of victory or however you say it yeah uh, and you know the, the budweiser thing is just such a perfect example i'm like here here's my my beef so one of the guys on the left was like i can't believe republicans are boycotting this is way overkill and i'm like wait 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 the only reason we're seeing Dylan Mulvaney's bony ass everywhere is because the left has uh, threatened all of these various companies that if they don't buy into the LGBTQ alphabet people's current agenda, that, that they will face terrible consequences um, both on social media and, and brand ruination and everything like that. Brand, going after brand. And go, going further than that, this is what ESG is all about. Oh, right. ESG We're, you're not going to get financing from the major institutional investors like BlackRock and State Street right. and Vanguard if you don't toe the line and meet a certain ESG or DEI score. Right. Like, you know, we're not going to buy your stock. We won't issue bonds for you. We won't do any of that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, that I mean, which is, it's a total fascist agenda, ESG exactly. and DEI. And I mean, so this is like the institutional version of the left's boycotts that they've been doing for 20 years. And for them to freaking complain that, that conservatives are you know responding to this obnoxious one time, what? One time what? we've been successful and then we have people on our side saying to stop and i say no don't drink another budweiser again don't buy from them again this has got to stop this esg stuff has got to stop you know disney has been suffering too their stock is down nobody's visiting parents normal parents okay every single weird furry and personal with some sexual fetish wants to go to disney that can be their customer base they're not going to last long right 
But the regular people, stop, don't go. And DeSantis is right to fight them. And he and anybody saying that they're that he's wrong has some other motive. This has got to stop. We have got to get to back to some level of normalcy where this kind of stuff is not just shoved down the throats of people. And 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 this is this should just be the start. Every company should be worried that they are going to be punished if they go down this road because any evidently nothing but shows of force actually work. And so okay, no. The only one, the only brand that I can think of that gets away with all their BS is uh, football because everybody will put up with, you know, the pink crap and all the rest of it because they love football so much. But the rest of the things that people can give up because you can drink other beer and you can uh, buy other home goods. There's plenty of competition in appliances there's all kinds of ways that we can work around these horrible human beings and and live a life apart from this and let them know we just want to be normal Americans and not have this stuff in our face. And the thing is, can I just say something as a, a woman who's used my uterus for its God-given purpose a couple times and actually uh, knows what it's like to go through the developmental stages and all the way through it. And you have these guys who decide that they are women. This Leah Thomas, William Thomas. I'm like, you know what? Screw you, buddy. You have been a male your whole life. You have no idea what women deal with. You're a freak. You go into women's, you know, we used to, we used to put those people in jail or at the very least, everybody in town knew to avoid that guy. The Leah Thomases of the world were the weirdo that you avoided, the creep that you didn't want to be around. And he's still that. And now, because people are so damn dumb, they'll put up with guys like that, taking over women's sports, which Title IX was meant to create. I was a beneficiary of that. We had a fantastic basketball coach, why? Because he got paid as much as the men's coach and the men's basketball team wasn't that great. The girls was great. And we went to States because we had a good coach uh, and fair treatment. Okay. And so women had the opportunity to be in sports and do things that they weren't able to do before. And now we have guys coming in, namely mostly white men and pretending that they're women. And then someone like Dylan Mulvaney saying that not even calling himself a woman, but acting like it, it uh, you know, he's, it's creepy, like a five-year-old girl. Well, and that's the thing. Like he's not, women. I think he's not saying he's a woman. He's saying he's a girl. Right. It's just now, like, this is like, so there's, there's sort of a kid thing going on right. to this. And, you know, and then the, the video pops of this guy and he's like on Price is Right. Right. He actually get and it's like, okay, so this was a performative jackass before. Right. All of the the stuff. And at the end of the day, what this really is, is this is somebody who's trying to get attention. Right. Um, And it's not, I mean, you know, obviously it's it's like it's a really, like it's a really, really, really gay guy 
who's who's just a complete attention whore and right. has looked at this and said, ah, you know, here's the next wave. This is this is how I can this is how I can become famous without actually being uh, displaying any merit. Right. Which is the most obnoxious thing about this. It's not even the transgender piece. It's the it's the shameless pursuit of fame mm -hmm. um, that that this represents. And the fact that Anheuser-Busch was willing to play in that sandbox, right. um, I mean, is what's offensive because, and this is a cultural thing that really doesn't involve sort of the political stuff. It's, we have made it, you know, we have made being famous its own sort of currency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it has led to some of the worst people uh, yeah. like becoming, you know, successful based on nothing, um, you know, and that's corrosive because, you know, what you really want to do is you want to, you want a celebrity, someone who's celebrated um, to have some actual merit, right? Are you a really good rock singer? Are you a great actress? Um, you know, did you write great books? Did you do, you know, are you a painter of note? I mean, like, have you done anything? And, and really, probably a half a century going now, we have just created, because we have a media culture, like, it, you know, that 15 minutes of fame is, is worth all the tea in China. And it's just, it's no good, right? Because, I mean, now you have an entire generation of kids that want to be social media influencers. And all a social media influencer is, is somebody who's famous. Right. It's like all it is. It's like, hey, I'm famous. And because of that, I can sell your products. Um, okay. But like when everybody's a social media influencer, no one is. And so now we're going to be like, we're, you know, we're going to have untalented, meritless people trying to do more and more outrageous things to get attention so that that would confer some fake merit upon them. And that's a, that is a, that is a circle the drain scenario that we are in right now. You know, I know this is going to be an all politics show, but this is a cultural thing. And actually it, it corrodes. It, well, the, the problem thing. is it is affecting politics. It does. It's, it absolutely it, corrodes. It, politics. And, and we're seeing it in our politicians. That's how we get an AOC or a Fetterman or for that matter, Dan Crenshaw, who's, you know, all cutesy on his social media, but right. doesn't represent the people he was voted for, That's who right. voted him in. This this has got to stop. It, it, I'm tired of these media creations. And then, you know, in the cultural world, like we're talking about, the worst are the parents who are doing this to their kids, both in the transgender thing, but just just in the you know culture generally whatever well, it is the hollywood parents transgender or, or otherwise it's, i mean it's all bad and every one of these yeah. child stars becomes an adult and says well you know i'd tell you my story but a you wouldn't believe it until it would make you sick and i mean everybody's like well we'd certainly believe it and we've already been sick so right you know i mean and it's like it happens over and over again and nobody 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 puts a stop to it. Nobody says, no, you will not do that to my kid. Or maybe they do, and you just never hear of right. the kids, right? Like the parents who said, you will not sexually abuse my kids so you can put her in a movie. Right. Okay. You'll never work in this town, right? Right. Um, and, you know, and so that's it. And, you know, they can go and they can tell a story, but nobody's listening.
So, I mean, you know, I mean, like this is the corruption of the culture. And of course, we're going to get the corruption of our politics as a result. And, you know, the never Trumper people will tell you that it's already happened and Trump was it. And, you know, the response to that is, is, yeah, but you guys were corrupted long before then because you sold out to all of the left's money people and have been conservatives for 25 years. So you don't have any credibility either. Well, they don't have credibility because they help facilitate this culture. That's correct. When the uh, when the when the uh, fight about gay marriage was happening, the main conservatives rolled over. When yeah. the fight when the fight um, for any of these cultural things, you know, it, it's been like I remember, I remember giving a speech to a group of GOPers some years ago, and they were talking about yeah, the problem really happened when the right got, uh, you know, was trying to hold the line on um, Clinton's behavior. We should have never fought him about it. And I was like, well, that's definitely a take. These are the same people who are saying that the transgender thing is no big deal, that we should accept money from so-and-so, that we shouldn't care about um, uh, what's happening cultural-wide, who are ignoring the technological changes that are completely wrecking our young cult, you know, young, the future of the country, because uh, everybody below a certain age is mentally ill because of what they're dealing with. Um, You know, and the thing is, I'm not saying that we're always going to win, but you should at least fight. Yeah. Because the stakes are high and the future of the country is worth it. But not according to too many people. Here's the thing. If you fight and you lose, and the fact that you lose means something bad happens. Mm-hmm. You then have credibility to say, you didn't listen to me 10 years ago when we were right. having this thing. And look what has happened as a result. Will you please listen to me now that they're trying to make it even worse? Right. The problem is, is you have an entire party that's like, oh, but these fights are icky and we don't want to get involved. And it's like, oh. Now you're Johnny come lately. You're going to come to the table and try to, Oh, but we want to take control of this. You don't have any credibility on this subject. Okay. I mean, even the, even the people like who aren't conservative, I mean, you know, like Joe Rogan comes to mind on a couple of things where he's like, man, this is really effed up. And it's like, yeah, but you've been on the side of the people that have been riding out the country all this time. So like what, like now you take the red pill and it's it's nice that you have the problem is you know like you're not an expert right like this is you're just some guy with an opinion who was good with everything up until now right well, he took wait he took the purple pill because the thing is is he doesn't want to yeah. go too far because he wants to be debauched but to the ex- to the extent that he's okay with and this right. is this is the case for a lot of these kind of, so he doesn't like what happened in the California he created. And so now he's in Texas and having this mealy mouth discussion, even someone like Elon, Elon Musk voted for Biden and wanted, you know, um, wants free speech because he thinks that's important. And, um, but you know, all of the culture has participated in this degradation and then we have this political, uh, we're trying to solve it politically and the churches are participating. And uh, so I don't know what the off ramp is, but I don't know that the that the solution is political. 
Um, no, well, I mean, you know, you, you know. go back to your John Adams, right? I mean, he said, you know, our constitution is, is you know, wholly suited to the governance of a moral and religious yeah. people and wholly unsuited to the governance of anything else. Yeah. And I think the problem is, is that we're running, we're running up against that right now, right? Like yeah. you don't have a moral and religious populace in America at the moment. Our culture has taken that away when it was very much the case 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, you could have made a very good case that, hey, you know, this is a, you know, this is still the most moral country on earth. And all I don't know who's a moral country and we're not right now, um, but right. we're not. And, you know, it's hard to it's hard to maintain the kinds of freedoms that you're currently um, uh, uh, asking, uh, well, not asking, demanding of your government when the populace at large uh, isn't worthy of it. You know, and I mean, yeah. uh, look, I'm a big Second Amendment guy, but every two or three days now, this sick culture produces a mass shooting. And every time, I mean, the last one that I saw was in Dadeville, Alabama, which was a birthday party. And mm -hmm. I guess it was mostly black people there and the shooter was black or whatever. And it was one of these things. And, you know, and so, of course, because that doesn't completely fit the narrative, it has to go away. But the, the but the narrative ghouls show up anyway. And, oh, well, look, see, this is it. And essentially the argument they're making is that the American people are not good enough to have guns. The problem is, is that the American government isn't good enough for the American people not to have guns, which is something our founding fathers focused on and were understanding of, you know, but the answer is never, well, we need to fix our culture and stop people from wanting to shoot up a teenager's birthday party and, and right. potentially kill 30 some people like like that's the real problem They, you know, they get Was all wrapped around the axle about something people killed. No, four were killed, 28 wounded. 28 wounded? They shot up them. It's like a small restaurant, I guess. And they shot up everybody in there. Wow. And it was a small town in the middle of nowhere, like, I don't know, an hour away from Birmingham. So the fact that they were able to save as many people as they did was kind was of miraculous. Um, but, I mean, the point is, it's like this is this horrendous, horrendous thing that, have, that happened really from what it sounds like for no reason whatsoever um you know just the like kid the, not invited the to the party or something somebody left out so i'm gonna I, i'm not clear on why yeah um it doesn't sound like it was a particularly good reason why mm. um but i mean you know it's just it's a it's one of these horrible things but this is what happens when you have a debauched sick culture full of people who just don't have any positive direction in their lives and want to lash out because the culture tells them to lash out when they don't like how things are going, right? Like we don't teach nonviolent conflict uh, resolution. We yeah. don't teach, you know, coping with things that you don't, you know, like to see happen and moving beyond them. Like we don't teach any of that. Um, you know, and so what you get is that, and you get this the woman in Ohio who decides I'm going to run up a thousand dollar grocery bill at Target. And then I'm going to say, well, some of my bill needs to get taken off because I need reparations. And when they were like, ma'am, this is a Target, <laughs> her response is like, get in shoving matches with people. And, you know, so she shoves right. the security officer into his office and he decks her in the face. 
And she says, well, this is my Rosa Parks moment. And it's like, I guess by 2023 standards, maybe it is. But that right there, ma'am, is the problem, right? And right. so, you know, like you can either fix the culture or you can surrender your freedoms, all right? I'm for fixing the culture. And I think it's an important part of our politics, at least going forward, is going to have to be to fix the culture. And part of that is going to be you stand by those rules, like the one about the Senate Judiciary Committee and its makeup. You don't flinch from that and you don't cut deals and you don't allow any of those things to be further degraded. You stand in the doorway and you say you shall not pass. That's what it's got to be to be a Republican going forward. And I think there's a lot of people who get it, but not enough yet. Maybe over the next election cycle or two, we'll get there and maybe we can start reclaiming the country. Maybe. Maybe. On that positive note, thank you all for listening. Please like and subscribe and share as per usual. Thank you for joining us for this. Uh, we did end up in the cultural morass, but the thing is, I, I politics and the They're culture. inseparable. Yeah, inseparable at this point. And um, uh, we appreciate you guys all listening. So tune in next week. Who knows what you'll have next week? <laughs> We're going all over the we'll place. Have a with this fresh podcast. set of horribles to discuss next week, I'm sure. Well, the the problem is, is that like having a weekly podcast, the whole world seems to change. You know, in three days, um, the 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 cycle of insanity seems to be speeding up. I don't know if all of you who are watching us think the same thing, but that that's kind of the way it feels to me. I don't know how, about how you feel. And next time, like I'm going to be writing a piece here about AI. I'd like to talk about some of that technical stuff, you know, potentially next week. I think it's, it's, uh, I'll just share one thing before we go. There was a chart with how long it took to reach a million users um, on Facebook, on Twitter, you know, it took a couple weeks or a couple months. Um, it took chat GPT one day. And um, so we're, our culture, we are changing so quickly. I don't think that um, our politics and our uh, ethical framework can keep up with it. No. And so we'll, we need to talk about that. So maybe we'll have a futuristic podcast next week and talk about all of that kind of thing, because I think it's important for all you know for us to kind of get a grip on it and also for our readers and everything to kind of at least have an introduction i'm no expert um but i i just know it needs to be talked about so we'll talk about that next week and other things too so thanks for listening everybody so glad you're listening to this spectacle please share it and subscribe below we'll see you next week mm -hmm.